Thank you for listening to the Abundant Life Sermon Podcast. Abundant Life is based out of Lee Summit, Missouri and has campuses throughout the Kansas City metro area and online. We want to see your life changed by Jesus. For more information about Abundant Life or for locations and service times, visit livingproof.co. Thanks for listening. Well, what's up, Abundant Life? If you have a copy of God's Word, won't you find the book of Exodus chapter 33 is where we're going to be at this morning. Uh, my name is Chad. I'm so glad that you made the decision to get here this morning. Um, and um, I, I really, I, I struggle with, with saying this, but there's a confession that I, I need to make. And I haven't been completely honest about who I am. And uh, Pastor Phil knows about this. And uh, HR knows about this as well. And uh, my wife and family, they, they know about this. Um, and uh, I, just, I just feel like if we're going to be, you know, in relationship the way we need to be, in, y'all got to know about this. And, and so here's what I need to get off my chest. Um, my real first name is not Chad. <laughs> I know. I, I mean, if I were you, I'm thinking, can we trust anything this guy's ever said, you know? Either we don't even know this guy's first name. I thought I'd be calling him Chad or Pastor Chad this whole time. That's not my real first name. Um, my real first name is actually Matthew. Matthew. My full name is Matthew Chad Glover. And uh, so I'm glad I got that off my chest, you know. And the reason why I go by my middle name is uh, I, I really don't know why I go by my middle name, you know. <laughs> You know, I was born in the 1900s and uh, 1980s, and uh, I don't know if it was a thing in the 80s when y'all were naming kids to call them by their second name, but my mom and dad, they just said, you know what, we're going to name him Matthew Chad, but he, he's going to go by Chad. And uh, so, you know, the first day of school is always like a little bit difficult and awkward. Is Matthew Glover here? And I'm like, yes, but my name's Chad, you know, and they're like, Matthew, is that short? Is that, you know, and, but, you know, and it was a struggle, it was a struggle, but that's made me who I am today, you know what I'm saying? And um, so... Now that we got that out of the way, uh, y'all, y'all, we can now be on a first name basis. My first name is Matthew. My middle name is Chad. You can call me Chad, but if you call me Matthew, I will think I'm in trouble, all right? Anyway, now the reason why I start there this morning is because in the same way I want to share with you my first name, listen, God has gone through great lengths so that we can know his first name. I don't know if you know this or not, but, but God, like he has a name. And the, the personal name of God is not God per se. His personal name is Yahweh. And um, I don't know if, if you know this or not, but um, maybe you've been in church for a little while and, and like you've sang the name Yahweh, you know, and you're like, Yahweh, Yahweh, you know. And, or if you're new to church, I remember a friend of mine, he was new to church and the first time he saw this, he was like, hey, how do you say that word? And, um, and, and I told him how to say it. He goes, man, I thought that was yo. <laughs> you know, I think he just, like he, that's what he thought. So wherever you're at, if you grew up in church and you've seen this or if you've never been to church and you've never seen, this is God's personal name. Like if we were going to a mixer with God and there were name tags on the way in, God would write Yahweh on his name tag. In the name of God, his personal name has profound implications. And so here's my goal, like here's my heart for you guys this morning, that we would all leave knowing God on a first name basis. That everyone that's here, everyone that's a part of our church service this morning, that you would, that here's what I long to see happen, that you would have a personal relationship with God Almighty where you would know him by name and he would know you by name and that you would leave this place understanding the profound implications of the personal name of God. If you're taking notes this morning, I've titled this message, God's first name. 
God's first name. And we're going to see from God's word an amazing, simple, but amazing request. This profound revelation and then our response accordingly. If you're new to the Bible, Exodus, it's, you come on a good morning because Exodus is book number two in the Bible, all right? Exodus chapter 33 is where we're gonna start at. And what's going on in the book of Exodus is you have this guy named Moses who's been tasked by God to lead God's people out of Egypt and into the promised land. And, and Moses, he begins a relationship with God that, that really is, is um, it's amazing. Like he sees God do some incredible things. And, and then the more that we get a glimpse at Moses' relationship with God, the more, I don't know if you ever read the Bible and just think, man, I don't I don't think I know God like that. That brother knows God. Like, like low key, I was kind of jealous of Moses' relationship with God, you know? Like, like you read about how they're talking with each other, the way God's working. And, and so like in Exodus 33, verse 11, it says this. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. But think about that. I don't know how you describe your relationship with God, but, but like it, like, it's like, are Moses and God, he's having coffee? I mean, what are they, like, what does this mean? But, they're, but it's this, this, this profound uh, relationship and this, this like friendship and they're hanging out, just talking and that sort of thing. So in Exodus 33, verse 18, we, we get this request that Moses makes. It's such, a, it's such a simple request, but profound. Here's what it says. It just says, let's skip down to verse 18. It says that Moses, he said, he's saying this to God. He says, God, he says, please show me your glory. Please show me your glory. Now, if you were hanging out with God, talking with him face to face as someone talks to their friend, you know, what request would you make? You know, so Moses, he like, he's modeling for us like this, a simple but, but incredible request. If you're taking notes this morning, you'd write this down, the request, the request. This, Moses is asking God, God, I, I wanna see your glory. Uh, this word glory, it's a little bit of a, a complex word uh, to break down. It, it literally means weight. And, uh, but, it, but it's referring to when Moses is saying to God, God, I want to see your glory. He said, God, I, I want to see your presence. God, I want to see your beauty. I want to see your majesty. God, what you got, I want more of. God, would you show me more of yourself? God, I don't want to just know some things about you. I want to know you. God, I don't want to just hear some things about you. I want to experience you. God, would you show me your glory? And so Moses is making this request. He simply wants to know God. He doesn't want a little nugget from God that he can apply to his, you know, his leadership acumen. He doesn't want a little bit of wisdom so that he can apply it to his family life. He's not asking for God to bless him so much per se. He's simply asking God, God, would you show me you? Uh, there's this song we've been singing in church and it just says nothing else. God, I just want you and nothing else. I'm caught up in your presence. I don't wanna, I don't wanna go anywhere. I don't want anything from you. I just want you. And I love that and that's what Moses is saying. I wonder this morning, do you want to know God like that? Do you want God like that? When you think about your prayer life, you would audit your prayer life, would there be any prayers that would remotely come close to God? Would you just, God, would you just show me your glory? So think about this morning. Why are you here this morning? Like what's on your agenda this morning? I think about all the reasons why I've gone to church over the years. I mean, I've gone to church because I needed God to, to minister to me. I needed, I, I'd gone to church because I'm like, God, I'm in the right place, trying to do the right thing. And so if you could help a brother out in my marriage, you know, I've been going to church and God, I'm at the right place. I'm trying to do the right thing. And so God, would you give me some extra power and energy to overcome this thing? I mean, I think about all the things, all of the reasons why I've gone to church. Why are you here this morning? And listen, it's not wrong to go to church. It's not wrong to go to God and say, God, I need this. I need that. But if you think that your relationship with God is all about you going to him so that you can get wisdom, so that you can get blessings, so that you can get things, listen, God will give you those things. 
But if you've gone to God for anything other than just to get God, you have sold the opportunity short that God is offering to you. Moses is going to God and he's saying, God, I just want you. And listen, the greatest gift that God could give any of us is God. We get God and when we get God, everything comes with him. And this morning, I'm hoping that you will enter into a personal relationship with God. And so Moses, his prayer is like, God, I wanna see your glory. I wonder if this morning, I wonder if that was our prayer. Like, I wonder if, if what God would begin to do if we begin to, on our way to church, begin to just pray, even if we said it out loud, God, would you show me your glory? And we came to church this morning, every campus, every church house, every location, we came and we were expecting God to give us his glory. And he said, God, that's gonna be the thing that's gonna move the needle in my life. I want you, God. I wanna know you. That's what Moses is saying. And so uh, we don't normally do this, but I thought we could pause and pray right now. And we could ask God to show us his glory. Let's not talk about it. Let's do it. Amen? So I want you to bow your head. I'm gonna teach you a simple prayer. And when we're asking God to show us his glory, again, that's his beauty. That's his presence. The word of God tells us that the whole earth is full of his glory. It's available, it's everywhere. And we're just gonna pray right now a simple prayer that Moses prayed. And here it is, Lord Jesus, please show me your glory. Amen. Amen? All right, everybody look up, here we go. That's it, simple prayer. I think sometimes we got these long prayers and God's like, get to the point already, you know? What do you need, you know? And I think sometimes we make this whole relationship about God something that it should never be about. God's not impressed with your eloquence. He wants you to cut to the point, say, so on your way to church next week, hey God, would you show me your glory? Amen, all right? Listen, there are some prayers where God's like, I've been waiting on you to ask me that one, you know? The whole Lamborghini and free college thing, no, we're not doing that thing, okay? But show me your glory, yes, yes. And I love that. That's what happens with Moses and God. Moses prays, God, show me your glory. And he's like, yeah, done. Here's what we're gonna do. And so in Exodus 33, you see the plan. Like God's like, look, Moses, if I show you everything, you're gonna die. All right, you can't take that. And so I'm gonna hide you in the cleft of this rock and I'm gonna put my hand over that, that, play, that hiding place and I'm gonna pass by you and say my name. All right? And so I'm gonna say my name Say my name when no one's around you. Anyway, so I'm gonna say my name and, uh, and I'm gonna put my hand over the rock and I'm gonna run past you. And so they get a plan together. And they put Moses, and the next day he puts him in the cleft of the rock. God puts his hand over him and runs by him. And here's what it says in Exodus 34, starting in verse five. It says this, now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So you get the point, right? Moses is hiding, God's passing by him, and he's like, here's my name, here's my name, and here's who I am. And so Moses is getting this experience. This is the glory of God that he is bestowing upon Moses. He's getting his name. He's getting a revelation of who God is. Point number two, if you're taking notes this morning, you could write this down. The revelation, the revelation. Listen, this passage of God's word is one of the most important passages in all of the Bible. This is ground zero for our understanding of who God is. That God has a name. We can know we can be on a first name basis with God. And God's name as disclosed in this passage 
is the name translated Yahweh, Y-H-W-H. And so God, he passes by Moses and he says his name twice. He says, he says Yahweh, Yahweh God, and then he goes into a description. Now, when the Bible says things twice, it's not because God had a stuttering problem, and it's not because God was trying to fill up some pages uh, or some words on some pages. That's not that he was trying to emphasize. He was trying to burn into Moses' brain that this is my personal name, Yahweh, Yahweh God. And God has gone through great lengths so that you and I can know his name personally. Now, Moses, this wasn't the first time he heard God's personal name. The first time that Moses heard God's personal name was actually in Exodus chapter three, where Moses met God at a burning bush. Some of y'all know this story, that, that Moses, he was tending sheep, he sees this burning bush, out of curiosity goes and explores that, bush starts talking to him, comes to find out it's God, this is holy ground, he takes the sandals off, and then God begins to commission him to lead his people out of Egypt. And so God asked Moses to do one of the most terrifying things. He said, I need you to go to the most powerful man in the world, most powerful military, and I need you to ask for his workforce to be left, to be, you know, gone. And so Moses is like, uh, 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 I, 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 I don't know, no, I, I, have a, I have a stuttering problem. You know, he's like, I stutter. He starts giving him all of these excuses just like you would, right? And God's like, hey, I can, use, I can use you, Moses, with a stuttering and a staff to lead my people. I can use you. And so Moses is like, okay, oh, that didn't work. Um, well, can, could you just tell me your name? because I need to know who sent me. I need to be able to tell them. So would you tell me your name? Moses asked God, what is your name? Now, um, the Hebrew phrase that Moses uttered was the Hebrew mashamo, which literally means what is the meaning of your name? And so we translate it. It's not an easy thing to translate that phrase. And so we translate it, what is your name? But really he was saying, what is the meaning of your name? And God replies to Moses in Exodus 3, verse 14. He says, and God said to Moses, when Moses said, Mashamo, what's the meaning of your name? God said, I am who I am. That's his name. That's God's personal name. And he said, thus, you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. So this phrase, I am who I am, or I am, God gives us his name. And the way that you say this in Hebrew is Hayah. Hayah. You know, like we're fighting, you know, Hayah, right? That's how, that's how I think about it. So on the count of three, everybody just say God's name. One, two, three. Hiya! Good. Yeah. Kind of intimidated me right there. Anyway, so yeah, that's how that's how God would say it. This is He's saying, I am who I am. This is God saying, Hiya in first person. This literally means I am what I will be. It's God's way of saying, My name is unchanging. I'm faithful. I'm immutable. I'm constant. I am the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Hiya, I am. And then the word of God tells us in verse 15 that it says this, and moreover, Exodus 3, 15, moreover, God said to Moses, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord. Now this word, the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, is literally translated Yahweh. And so God tells Moses that you're gonna say, Yahweh God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, Yahweh. And this is my memorial to all generations. And so the Lord here, again in verse 15, it's translated Yahweh, Y-H-W-H, which is our way of saying back to God, he is. God says in first person, Haya, I am. And then we refer to God in third person, he is, Yahweh. So we get the personal name for God from this passage. Haya is how God refers to himself. And we refer to him as Yahweh in third person. 
Now, let me nerd out for a second if I haven't already, all right? So this word, Yahweh, um, in the Hebrew, they don't, have, uh, they don't have vowels in the language. They just kind of write in shorthand, kind of like some of y'all text each other. You know what I'm saying? It's like, what is that? And it's like, you can't see that? LOL, SMH, you know, whatever. And so that's how it is in Hebrew. They don't have vowels. And so we had to add the vowels to make Yahweh. But literally, God says, yod Hey vad Hey Y-H-W-H. That's my name. This is called a tetragrammaton. That gave, it was brought to us by Optimus Prime. That's the transfer. Anyway, so I'm just kidding about that. A tetragrammaton, it's literally Greek for a four-letter word, all right? A good one, all right? And so tetragrammaton, yod heid vad this is in reference to God's name. Now, there are some profound implications about the name of God. Some scholars, they would say that the letters of God's name, um, we were just kind of did the best we could to get to Yahweh. Uh, we really don't know exactly. It's kind of like the letters Y-H-W-H are like breathing sounds almost. Like, yo, hey, vod, hey. Like when I go up to the steps, you know, at the place, oh, I'm just heavy breathing. Yo, hey, vod, hey. And they would say that, that, that some scholars would say that God's very name is uttered every time a person takes a breath. So think about this, like in Genesis 1, when God breathes into this dirt man, Adam, and gives him the breath of life, he's now able to utter the name of God. Yod, hate, vod, hate. That perhaps God has made our breathing subject to saying his name. So that when a baby is born and she takes her first breath, she begins to first begin to say the name of God. And when someone passes from this life into the next and they cease to breathe, they cease to say the name of God. That God's name, it's, it's profound. It's, it has these profound implications. It was considered so sacred by Jewish people that they wouldn't even say Yahweh because they feared breaking the commandment that you shouldn't take the Yahweh's name in vain. And so they just simply referred to God as Hashem, which means the name. And then they started saying, you know what, we're not even going to say Yahweh, we're just going to say Adonai, which means Lord or boss. And so they, they begin to say Adonai, that's how they begin to refer to Yahweh. And then eventually over time, they begin to call Yahweh Jehovah. And when you take Adonai and you take some of the letters from Adonai and you look at Yahweh and take some of the words of Yahweh, you get Jehovah. And it's a long explanation that I didn't think that you would enjoy. And so just trust me that Jehovah is basically a synonym for Yahweh. And so when you hear about Jehovah Rapha or Jehovah Nisi or Jehovah Jireh, it's the Bible's way of saying Yahweh is these things. Yahweh, such a profound word. But when we translate it, I think that we lose something. So again, in your Bibles, capital L-O-R-D is Yahweh's name. Over 6,000 times it's in your Bible. And so God has gone through great lengths so that we would know his first name. But I think most of you are like me. When you read your Bibles, you just read the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. And you miss the implications of this being his first name because it's more like a title when we translate it. And I think one of the things that we miss is we miss the personal connection that God's trying to extend to us through his word. Like imagine if I told you about my weekend, I was like, that you're like, hey, what did you do this weekend? I'm like, oh, I went out with the wife. The wife and I, we went out to dinner and then the wife and I, we hung out and the wife and I, we watched a movie. The wife and I, the wife and I, and that's, that's how I refer to her all the time. The wife, the wife, the wife. You're like, doesn't she have a name? Like, yeah, her name's Chelsea, but I just call her the wife. It's like, that's not romantic. That's kind of impersonal, you know? But God, what he's saying is like, I have a name, but we translated it into the Lord. And I think when we did that, we lost some of the personal connection. Listen, God wants you to know his name 
so that you can encounter his glory. God is not some distant deity in the cosmos that we've come here to pay homage to so that he would somehow be uh, um, uh, pleased with our worship. He wants to be near to you. God has a name. He's not aloof and unaware. He desires a personal relationship with you. He wants you to know his name. He wants y'all to be on a first name basis. Profound implications about the name of Yahweh. That not only does he want you to know his name, but he wants you to know what he's like. So this passage in Exodus 34, again, is perhaps one of the most quoted passages by the rest of the Bible than any other passage in the Bible. And so like you find David quoting it, you find Jeremiah quoting it, you even find Jonah quoting this passage um, out of frustration in the book of Jonah because he's like, oh God, you're compassionate and forgiving. And so you're gonna forgive the Ninevites, you know? And so people in the Bible, they're, they're singing about this passage. They're, they're claiming and proclaiming this passage, that this passage is the baseline that God has given us so that we can build our theology and our understanding of who God is, that God is telling us what he is like. Like, think about this. Like, if, 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 if you were God and you were trying to give your bio to somebody, you know, you were introducing yourself, and you're like, this is my name, and this is my resume, Think about all the things that you would say. If, if it were me, I would flex on how awesome I am. I'm just being honest. I'd be like, yep, my name's Yahweh, and I'm omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient, and omni-everything, you know? Like, I'm, I'm awesome. I'm kind of a big deal. The universe, yeah, that's my work, you know? Like, that, that's what I would do, but God doesn't do this. Even though all those things are true, and they would be appropriate, God says, my name is Yahweh, and I'm merciful, and I'm gracious. I'm patient, that God is disclosing himself to us and that he's picking these attributes for us to hang our theology upon first. He's saying, this is who I am. A.W. Tozer, a famous theologian, he says this, what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And so we're building our understanding of God, we're building our theology based upon the book this morning. We're building our theology based upon the autobiography that God has given us called the Bible. And so he says, my name is Yahweh. What he, what he means by that is I am who I am. I am who I will be. And so Moses, he hears this in Exodus 3. He's like, all right, what does that mean? <laughs> like God's constant. He's constant. He's constant. He's constant. He's, he's unchanging. But unchanging in what as he goes throughout his life? And then in Exodus 33, he says, God, would you show me your glory? And God says, I'm going to reveal what I'm constant in. Though I'm constant in everything, let me narrow it down for you, Moses. And he gives us these seven characteristics of God. And so he says this, he passes by Moses, he says, Yahweh, Yahweh God. He says, I'm merciful. Man, we could spend the rest of the year just talking about these seven attributes of God. But let me just kind of, let me just give you a little bit on each one. Merciful, you know what mercy is? Man, mercy is one of the greatest things that God would extend to us. If we didn't have God's mercy, we'd be toast, all right? We've all fallen short of God's glory, all right? And the wages of sin is death, and mercy is the thing that God extends to us so that we don't have to suffer the punishment that we deserve. God's mercy. Aren't you, th I don't know about you, but I've done some stuff that has deserved the wrath of God in my life, but his mercy. But his mercy has caused him to overlook those things in Christ. He's merciful. Not only is he merciful, I'm glad, I'm glad a few of y'all are fired up about this. Hopefully we'll get everybody on this one. He's gracious, amen? Yeah, if I sung Amazing Grace, we all be in tears, right? Grace, aren't you grateful for the grace of God? 
if God, if, if all he ever did was just give us mercy and grace, we have a, we, we'd be for eternity. God, thank you so much. I don't deserve anything else. Grace is, is God giving you something you don't deserve. Now think of it this way, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace. That's why we sing that song, Amazing Grace. I once was blind, but now I see I was a wretched. But now he's, he's given me Grace. This is the God. He's Yahweh. He is who he is with mercy and grace. It's unchanging. The next one, maybe, maybe one of my favorite ones, he's long-suffering. This word long-suffering literally means patient. I don't know about you, but I've known some things about God, known some things about God enough to know that the way I was living was not pleasing to God at certain times in my life. Is that anybody? And so like, like if I were God, let me just put it this way. If somebody treated me the way that I treated God sometimes in my life, I'd have nothing to do with them. Let me say that again. If somebody treated me the way I've treated God at times in my life, I'd have nothing to do with them. I'm done with you. I'm cutting you out of my life. I'm sick and tired of you making promises that you're not going to keep. I'm sick and tired of you cheating on me, lying to me, and doing me wrong. But God's long-suffering. When he should have struck me down with lightning, and he came close once. He spared my life because he's patient. Peter picks up on this language in the New Testament. He says that God is long-suffering. He's patient, wishing that none would perish. And there's been times in my life when I was running in rebellion towards the Lord, but he was long-suffering. I'm glad God's fuse is long. And he gave me time for me to see my, the, the errors of my ways. And he extended to me mercy and grace the next characteristics of God, he just says, I'm abounding in goodness and truth. I love this because he could have just said, you know, I'm good and I'm true. But he says, you know what, I'm going to add, I'm going to add a layer to it. I'm abounding in goodness and truth. Aren't you glad that we've come in here and there's a God that's abounding in goodness and truth? That he's not just good, you know, he's abounding good. You know, I don't know what that means, but that was God's way of saying like, you've heard good, I'm really, really good. You know what I'm saying? And so every good thing that you experience, listen, if you eat turkey and dressing in a couple of weeks, you get your mama's coconut cream pie, uh, you, you get some ice cream, you get to smell the smell of a little baby, just so smells so sweet, you know. You get to see a sunset, see a tree change color. Any good thing that you behold, it was God's idea. He's abounding in goodness and he's abounding in truth. This is the God that we get to, and he's Yahweh abounding in goodness and truth. So again, the implications, he's saying, my name is that I am consistent, unchanging forever. And now he's given us characteristics and the implications is that God, he's not budget with his grace. He's not budget with his goodness and his truth. He's not like, you know what, I only have enough for 10 of y'all. No, he's infinite. He's unchanging. He's Yahweh in those things. He goes on. The next characteristic is in New King James, it says merciful, but it's the Hebrew word said. It could be translated loving, kind. It's just another good attribute of God. He says, man, this is who I am. He goes on, he says, I'm forgiving. And he says he forgives this trifecta of issues, this gumbo of dysfunction, iniquity, transgression, and sin. And he says, I forgive that. It's the Hebrew word nasah. It means to lift, to carry, to take away. This is the God that we have come here to worship. And then last but not least, he is just. He won't turn a blind eye to the wickedness in the world he is just. This is God's self-disclosure so that we don't have to scratch our heads and go, you know, I wonder what God's like. 
I just don't know who he is. And there's a tendency that all of us have this morning to come in here and to build a theology out of our own ideology. That's why Tozer would say that the most important thing in your life is what comes to mind when you think about God. And he would go on to say in this book that we have a tendency to make a God in our own image. Voltaire, a famous philosopher, he said that in the beginning God made man in his own image and ever since then we've been trying to return the favor. And there's a tendency to, for us to come in here and to think that Jesus is a lot like us, you know? That he, he, he votes the way we vote, he laughs at the things we laugh at and he'd probably live in the place that we live. And you know, Jesus probably, he probably liked Missouri and Kansas pretty good. You know, that's probably where he would live because, you know, that's where I like to live. You know, we just kind of have this, we have this tendency as, as people to invent God of our own imagination. But listen, God has disclosed himself to us. Again, this is his autobiography from the Bible. And he's saying, I am Yahweh in these things. And again, my concern this morning is that some of you, maybe many of you, think you know God, but you really don't. You ever had somebody that like confidently called you by the wrong name, you know? And if I've done that to you, I'm sorry. You know, I'm like, Jim? And they're like, no, it's actually, it's actually uh, Stephen. It's like, oh, I was close, man. You know, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway, so when I was in college, I went to a small private school, and, and the president of the university, I remember my freshman year, he walked up to me. I was like, El Presidente, you know? And he walked up to me, and he called me by the first name, and he reached out, shook his hand, introduced himself. He's like, Corey, my name's Dr. Riley. I didn't have the heart to, to correct him, you know? I didn't have the heart. I was just like, good to meet you, Dr. Riley, you know? And, uh, and the longer this went on, the more awkward it got. I don't know if you have a relationship like this where somebody is confident that that's your name and you just didn't have the heart to tell them, that's not my name, you know? And so like freshman year, I was like, you know, that's fine. You know, I'm, just, I'm just grateful the president wanted to introduce himself. You know, that's where I was living. I don't care if he got the wrong to call me, whatever you want, he's the president, right? You can, you can kick me out of school and so I'm not trying to even rock the boat, right? And so um, we go on to the sophomore year, and, and, and a few times I interact with the president, and he, Corey, how you doing? Now my friends are like, well, that's not your name. I'm like, it's okay, man. It's all good. It's something we got, you know. It's good. <laughs> Junior year, same thing, Corey, you know, and by this time, like, I've been in the university, and again, it's a smaller university, so I'm like, he's got to know. Like, somebody's got to be like, who are you talking about, you know? And then by senior year, I remember he walked up to me one time and he said, Chad, how you doing? And I was like, good, man. I, I didn't say, finally, you got it right. I was just like, yes, sir, I'm doing great, you know. And so someone, somewhere along the way, he was talking about me and they said, what, what, what'd you call him? He's like, Corey. They're like, that, you, mean, you mean Matthew Chad Glover, right? You know, and, and he was probably like, that's his name? And they were like, yeah, his, he goes by Chad. That's his, he's probably like, why? I wonder why he never told me. I wonder if God feels that way about you sometimes. You're coming here and you're singing or you're praying and God's like, that's, that's not my name. That's not what my name means. <laughs> so you got it. You, you know. And God in his word is trying to cut the awkward and say, hey, hey, I don't know what you think I am but let me be straight, this is my name, this is who I am. So that we don't have to wonder, we don't have to scratch our head, we don't have to be curious about who God is. Again, we wanna build our theology, could we make a commitment that we're gonna build our theology, our understanding of who God is as a church, we're gonna build our theology on God's autobiography, the Bible. We're not gonna run after a God of our own invention. And when the Bible and our ideologies disagree, we're gonna side with the Bible, that the Bible is God disclosing himself to us so that we don't have to wonder what is God like? What is he like? How would he respond here? And we don't have to run and invent a version of God in our own ideology. 
We can know God plainly. And this morning we're discovering who God is. Moses has discovered who God is and its implications on our life. So Moses, he, he gets this revelation and then we get to see Moses' response in verse eight. Here's what it says. So Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth. I love this. When the Bible says Moses made haste, that means he did it quickly. He said, I got to, I got to do this now. I got to go. I got, the, I, got the revel- I got to respond now. This wasn't, I'll do that later. I'll do that next week. I'll do that in 2024. That's one of my goals. I'll do that. No, he said he made haste. He bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. I love that. And then in verse nine, it says, and then he said, if now I've found grace in your sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray, go among us, even though we are a stiff-necked people. That's just him saying, man, we hard-headed, every one of us. He says, let him go among us and pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us as your inheritance. Moses gets a revelation from God and his response is humility and worship and begging God for forgiveness. Point number three, and finally, if you're taking notes, you can just write this down, the response. The response, this is our part. This is our part to play after the revelation of God. Moses' response was to worship and to ask for forgiveness. I love this because Moses wasn't like all puffed up. I don't know if you ever met somebody like went through a Bible study and like they're, they're worse after going through the Bible study. It's like, bro, I liked you before the Bible study. Now y'all arrogant, act like you know something that I don't know, y'all self-righteous, you know? I don't know if you ever hung out with somebody that's in seminary and they're like, I'm in seminary and I learned some things, you know? And I'm like, if, listen, if your knowledge of God doesn't draw you closer to the ground in humility, then you've misunderstood why God is disclosing himself to you, all right? And so what I love about this is that Moses isn't like, Man, God, like this is next level learning, God. It's a master class with you, man. I've, I've learned some things. I, I know, and I'm superior. That's not Moses. Moses is modeling for us how we are to respond when God reveals something to us. And the only response when we receive a revelation from God is the adoration of God in worship, in humility. So Moses, he worshiped and asked for forgiveness. Let's take the last one first. Moses, he prayed for forgiveness because he knew the only way that you and God could be on a first name basis is if you've been forgiven of your sin. And so this morning, I don't know where you're at. I don't know where you're at with God, but here's what God wants for you. He wants you to know him personally. But the only way that you can know God personally is to be forgiven of your sin completely. And the only way you can be forgiven of your sin completely is to admit that you are a stiff necked person that you're hard-hearted, you're hard-headed, that you're a sinner, and believe that Jesus, God's only son, is the manifestation of forgiveness in his death and resurrection on the cross. And you trust that when you put your faith in Christ, he forgives you. And you get a Yahweh kind of forgiveness. What I mean by that, it's not temporary. It's not conditional. God says, My name is Yahweh. I am who I am. So when I give forgiveness, it's there. It's not changing. And the only way that you can be on a first name basis with God is by getting forgiveness from God. So have you been forgiven of your sin? Has there been a time in your life where you've said, God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that you're a savior, that you died on the cross, rose from the grave. And God, I want to become your inheritance. I want to know you. Do you know God like that? 
And if you don't, man, this morning would be an incredible time to start that. You can leave here right with your maker. You can leave here on a first name basis with God. How awesome is that? And so Moses, he prays for forgiveness. The second thing, or the second thing we'll talk about, the first thing that Moses does is he worships. Moses was so moved by this revelation that he had to worship. See, when you know God, it moves you to worship. About a year ago, we gathered down in the Crossroads campus, and it was still under construction, and, um, and we had a night of worship, and so we were gathering with our launch team, and we were underscoring different core values of abundant life, and this particular one, I was like, hey, let's talk about the value of worship. And so we're down in the arts district in Kansas City. It's the fifth largest art district in the nation. And so I knew that we wanted to do some sort of art installment at some point when we got down there. And so I was like, all right, uh, you know, we're gathered about a year ago. I was like, we're gonna put up these, um, these four by eight pieces of board and during the worship set, we're gonna give everyone paint and we're gonna encourage them to go and paint on these big panels, different names of God. And so that's what we did that night. It was awesome, you know, we, we painted different names of God and you know, there were hundreds of people there painting different names of God. Pastor Phil even got in his inner artist, you know, you know Pastor Phil Picasso, you know, he's painting a name of God and, and, and we got done and I was kind of looking at the panels. I was like, you know, this is cool. Like I could, I could see something, but it kind of looked like refrigerator art. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> like no one goes to the refrigerator and says, wow, that should be in a museum, you know? It's just kind of like, well, those are kids, you know, they did a good job. And so I, I called one of our artists in the church, a guy named Jeff, who's a part of our Independence Campus. And I said, Jeff, you know, could you and Damon, one of our guys on staff, could y'all work and kind of make this thing we did? Like, could you make it into a piece of art? And Jeff spent almost a year transforming what we started into something that was beautiful. And so when you walk into the Crossroads Campus, you'll see these four art panels of all of these names of God. And if you're a part of the Crossroads campus, um, you probably noticed this morning that one of them was missing uh, because your boy stole it. So I had to bring a piece of the Crossroads with me. And uh, so hopefully this will help you connect with this. Anyway, so I brought one of the panels so that y'all could see it. And what you'll see here is many names of God. The one that we've been talking about it this morning, Yahweh. And this is really the key to unlock all of these, that he is, that he is. He's constant in all of these. And one of the things I love about this board is that if you look closely, you'll see that we have names of God written in other languages like Mandarin. Names of God written in Hindi and Telugu, languages that represent India and other boards have names of God written in Spanish. That many languages, many tribes, many tongues are represented on these boards. And when you look, you'll begin to see that God is gracious, that he's healer, that he's brother just, and so many other things. Because we, we want people, when they walk into the, the campus in the crossroads, you would see this big art installment. And if, when people ask, what are y'all doing in the city? I'd say the same reason, or the same thing we're doing in Lee Summit. What are y'all doing in Lee Summit? Well, the same thing we're doing in Blue Springs. What are y'all doing in Blue Springs? Well, the same thing we're doing in Independence. What are y'all doing in Independence? Well, the same thing we're doing in church houses all across the globe. Like, why are y'all here? We're here because he is worthy. How much time you got? We're here because he's gracious, because he's wise, because he's our friend, because he's hope. We're here for no other reason but to extol and to, ex to, ex to exclaim that God, you're amazing, to ascribe his worth and his majesty. We're here simply to worship the God that deserves our worship. That's why we're here. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure and subscribe and share with a friend. 
We hope today's message inspired and challenged you. Let's go be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. For more information about Abundant Life, visit livingproof.co or follow us on social media at Abundant Life LS.